Welcome, welcome. Good to see you. This is a very special day. Well, we're going to be, uh, we have a baby dedication, and we're going to be dedicating a Gavin baby, Naomi May. You hear those, that prophetic word about grace? What is grace? Grace is God giving you something you don't deserve. Let me tell you, I have a hunch when we get to heaven that we're going to find out just how much grace was bestowed upon us. It's going to amaze us. Not only the grace for salvation, but grace day by day by day, we, have, we get grace. Things that we think we did, actually God did in our lives. And we're going to say, God, I didn't give you the credit. And we're, I have a hunch we're going to feel quite bad about that. Grace. Hey, I got to tell you something. I, um, the, uh, you know, as we know, there's a Messianic Jewish congregation, Beth Messiah, that meets here on, on Saturday. Okay, and and I talked to the Messianic rabbi, and he said he said to me, he said, you know, Frank, we appreciate the people of Beth Messiah so much that ah, uh, Grace, you know, this is. Thank you. You got to listen very carefully, because I don't listen to me sometimes. You know, there's a reason why. Okay? So, so Beth Messiah appreciates Grace Christian Fellowship so much. Now, save this date. On Sunday, September 7th, Beth Messiah will be hosting a corn roast following Sunday service in the parking lot. What's the cost? Nothing. They just want to bless you. So, is there anybody here that does not like really... Corn on the cob, dripping with butter, salt and pepper. I mean, roasted corn. Anybody here not really like it? Raise your hand. Anybody here really? One person, we will pray for you. Okay. Okay. A couple of you are thinking, I love them, but they get under my dentures. Okay. So just peel it off and suck on the corns, you know. So how many of you enjoy them? So, you know, so... So come prepared to have a couple, a couple of uh, ears of corn, all right? So it's going to be a, a good time. You'll be smelling it. You'll be smelling it. So let me get my stuff here. Good news. My wife is retired. Yeah, baby. Yeah, it's going to change my life. You know, actually, she'll be able to travel with me more, and I like that. I really would like that. They always want to know about my wife. Always want to know about my wife. Let me tell. Let me tell you a little secret. Some of you know this. Some of you don't. I know. I know. I can talk. But I can talk about this. But when some people come and visit me and they don't know my wife, okay. I always pull the same stick on them. Stick. You know what I tell them? I say, my wife is a little bitty thing. She's about four foot one, you know, and she's, uh, she's quite heavy. She, she, she doesn't fit in my car too well. And so she's taking this medication for her face and her hair is coming out, you know. I, I say stuff like this. And, you know, I pulled it on Alan Ross. I pulled it on Todd Westfall. I pulled it on um, at least four or five guys, okay. And they always talk about how love is... Now, beauty's in the eyes of the beholder, and then they meet my wife, and they know I put them on big time, you know. 
So, and they go back to their congregations and they tell them about this, and their congregations think it's pretty funny. And then they meet me and they find out I'm not all that funny. <laughs> so, but I'm glad she's retired. She, uh, there's, she's got a lot less stress in her life. The only stress is me now, so. That's, that's, but, she, but she's been living with that stress ever since she'd been married. Uh, you always know what I'm talking about? Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> so, it's a beginning. You know, Marty Spilches told me about the time when he was a young boy, <clears throat> and he has two brothers, so Spil- the three Spilches boys. One day he went to his mom and he asked, Mom, what would you like for your birthday this year? She looked at Marty and she said, I would like three well-behaved boys. Marty looked at his mother and said, oh, then there'll be six of us. <laughs> Have you ever thought of giving your children back to God? That's what, in a sense, what a baby dedication is all about. Some of you are thinking, yes, I did. A few of you might be thinking, I'd like to give them back, but I don't think God would take them back. I thought he had a no-return policy on kids. Besides, I can't find the receipt. <laughs> the truth is, I doubt there is not a parent here who has not at one time or another hadn't had that moment when they would not like to have packaged up that kid and take him back to customer service counter with a demand I want my money back. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Marty Spilkes told me that when Mrs. Spilkes and I were first married, we had, three sto- we had three theories on raising kids. Now we've got three kids and we have no theories. <laughs> you know. Marty Spilkes told me of the time when he was at the county fair. It was extremely hot and humid. It was 100 degrees in the shade. And Marty was standing in line behind a father and his two sons. Marty looked at all three and asked, who's having the most fun? One of the kids said, I am, sir. The other one said, I am. The dad looked at Marty and said, their mother. (laughs) Their mother. Baby dedication. What in the world is a baby dedication? Does this mean the kid is becoming saved, is being born again, is going to the kingdom of God? No, this is not what it means. Okay? Bible says we have to believe, in order to enter the kingdom of God, we have to believe in our heart, confess with our mouths that, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay? That's to be repentance. And, and a little baby, they can't do stuff like this. Okay? It's a baby dedication. See, in the beginning, it started out dedication, and then some church people changed it to washing, they say, washing away original sin. Doesn't happen that way. Okay? There's nowhere where it talks about babies being saved when the, somebody sprinkles water on them and the, the, the original sin is taken away. That's not the way it works. That's not the Bible. I read a whole bunch of different versions. It's not in any version, trust me. A baby dedication is a time when a child and parents are prayed for. A baby dedication is a time where parents make a commitment to the Lord to submit their child to God's will and to raise that child according to God's word and ways. It's a time when the community has a chance to thank God 
for this child. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, this good time when I get to explain what a baby dedication is about. God, I thank you for my friends that are here that get to share in this time of prayer. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. In Psalm 127, verse 3, we're going to look at two versions of this. Psalm 127, verse 3, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Now, in the CEV version, paraphrased version, it says children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. Having a lot of children to take care of you in your old age is like a warrior with a lot of arrows. The more you have, the better off you will be because they will protect you when your enemies attack with arguments. So having a, having a lot of kids, it's a good thing. Many different reasons. But we are to treasure our children as a gift from the Lord and not a burden. A gift from the Lord. You say it takes nine months to receive this gift. Yes, but it's a gift from the Lord. We have to see our children that way. Some don't want God's gift. So they kill it in the womb. Some deeply desire the gift, but they're physically unable to receive it. Some are blessed and receive the gift in the form of an adoption. You might be wondering, is baby dedication a new covenant practice? No, it's not. And I say that because we find the shadow for baby dedication in the Old Covenant in many places. Here's one example. In 1 Samuel 19 to 20, and then we're going to go from the 27 to 28. Uh, actually, I've got, I'm going to start with the 19 here. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah when Elkanah slept with Hannah. And the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. Due time means nine months. She named him Samuel, for she said, I asked the Lord for, for him. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he, has, and, and he has granted my request. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worshiped the Lord there. Now we know this was a giving to the Lord, actually, uh, he grew up in the temple, but it's a, it's, a, it's a giving of the Lord. This is a shadow of his new covenant reality. Another example is Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus. Now, I'm going to read this out of the, out of the, out of the uh, CJB, Complete Jewish Bible. And I want you to know that Mary, um, Joseph, never called his wife. You know, he never called her, hey, Mary. That was, it was, he called her by her, her name, her Hebrew name, Miriam. Here's how the birth of Yeshua, that's Jesus' real name in Hebrew, the Messiah, took place. When his mother Miriam was engaged to Yosef before they were married, she uh, she was found to be pregnant from the Ruach HaKodesh, that's the Holy Spirit. Her husband-to-be, Yosef, was a man who did what was right. See, he was a good guy. So he made plans to break the engagement quietly rather than put her to public shame. But while he was 
thinking about this, an angel of Adonai, which means the Lord, appeared to him in a dream and said, Yosef, son of David, do not be afraid to take Miriam home with you as your wife, for what has been conceived in her is from the Ruach HaKodesh. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Yeshua, which means Adonai saves, or God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. All this happened in order to fulfill what Adonai had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive, a, a, will conceive and bear a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Yosef awoke, he did what the angel of Adonai told him to do. He took Miriam home to be his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until she had given birth to a son and named him Yeshua. Now, in those days of Miriam and and Yosef, in those days, most pious young Jewish ladies thought of the possibility that maybe their child might be the Messiah. That was common in those days. Maybe I would give birth to Messiah. See, in those days, they believed in a personal Messiah, a person who would be the Messiah. Today, things have changed. Most most. Of, of the people in Israel, they don't believe in a personal Messiah. They believe in a messianic age. Except the ultra-Orthodox. They believe in a personal Messiah. In fact, they thought a guy by the name of uh, Schneerson, they thought that, that he was the Messiah. In fact, they had billboards, and I've got a picture of one, um, that, that they say that he is the Messiah. Okay? And what's interesting is he died. And they're waiting for him to arise from the dead. But he's still dead. He has arisen from the dead. He's going to stay there. Okay? I don't know if he's going to heaven or hell. He hasn't received um, Jesus, so I, have a sus- I suspect, you know, he's uh, not going to go there. But, but some still believe in a Messiah. It reminds me of a story. I, I just thought of this. I heard it. I heard it. This is a good one, Al. I heard a story about this guy. He's always telling his wife, when I die, I'm coming back to haunt you. He's always threatening his wife. Everybody knew about that, even the neighbors, because they could hear him. When I die, I'm coming back to haunt you. Well, one day he passed away. They had the funeral, and neighbors said, to the grieving wife, aren't you afraid your husband's going to come back and haunt you? She said, no, I didn't bury him head up, I buried him head down. And, and, and he never asks for directions. <laughs> uh, that was a good one. But, but in those days, but in those days, in the time of Miriam and Yosef, uh, it was it was something like when a young gal would get pregnant, they would say, maybe, maybe your child will be the Messiah. Well, Miriam was the one. <clears throat> Miriam watched the life of her son as he matured in body and spirit. Miriam saw his miracles, and she actually listened to his teachings. And then she watched her son die. She gave to God what was given to her. 
she watched him dying on the cross. See, she knew that he was the Christ, the Messiah. And when she, 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 she knew she was giving him back to God, and she saw him die on the cross going back to the right hand of the Father. Now I'm going to turn the boat just a little bit. Nobody fall off. In Mark 10, verse 13, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw uh, what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. Say, was Jesus ever angry? That's what it says right here. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on their heads, and blessed them. The question is this, what did Jesus say when he blessed the children? What was, what was the blessing? We don't know. We have no idea. But many theologians think it might have been the ironic benediction that was prayed over them. But we don't know for sure. Children are a gift from God, a gift to be taken care of, to someday enter God's kingdom and do his will. Parents are commissioned to do that. You know, children are to be protected. Protected from different kind of predators. Protected from bad influences. Protected from um, hurting themselves. From hurting themselves. They are to be protected. This is what parents do. They protect their children. Children are to be instructed. Parents and grandparents need to pass on their testimony of God's goodness. Now the problem is, some parents, some grandparents don't know of God's goodness. They can't pass that on. But it's important to pass on your testimony, the goodness of God. You say, I haven't got any kids. Well, you got nieces. you got nephews. The other people that are important in your life. You pass on your testimonies. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 9. But watch out. Be very careful never to forget what you have seen the Lord do for you. Do not let these things escape from your mind as long as you live. And be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. I'm telling you, I've got grandkids. Grandkids like to hear about how God has worked in your life. Part of your testimony. You know, you've got to remember the goodness of God. And so parents, do you talk about the goodness of God? How, how you prayed for things, husband and wife, you prayed for things. And God did it. You talk about the goodness of God. And grandparents are to talk about the goodness of God. And then someday the grandparents will be with the Lord, and you parents are going to become grandparents, and you pass on the testimony. And the fact is, you don't, you don't, you'll fret, it's good that you pass on these many testimonies because you don't forget them then. Pass them on. In Psalm 78, verse 1, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. 
for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from your past, from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. You pass on the goodness of God, of who God is. You pass on your relationship with knowing the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's extremely important. Would you agree with me on that? I'm telling you, it's important. And some, you know, some, some of you are saying, well, well, maybe I don't have a testimony like this to pass on. Well, get a testimony. Get one. If you don't know Jesus Christ personally, get to know him personally so you can pass something on to your grandchildren about how you got saved even later in life. How God forgave your sins even later in life. Pass on the testimony of how God was good for you. And how God got you out of jams and God did this and God did that. In Ephesians 6, verse 4. Now, the Apostle Paul is talking to people outside of Israel. He's talking to the believers in Ephesus. And he says, parents, do not, teach your, do not treat your children in such a way as to make them angry. Instead, raise them with Christian discipline and instruction. Raise them with Christian discipline and instruction. Instruction is easy. It's the ways of God. But Christian discipline is you have to discipline them. In, in, in Colossians 3.21, fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now listen, parents of young children, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now how might a, how might a parent embitter their child? I thought about this. You know, unjust punishments will embitter them. Kids know when they're being punished for wrong. But when they don't know what they're being punished for, that embitters them. Used to upset me when I was a little boy. I walked by my mom. She'd whap right on the tuchus. I say, what was that for? She says, I know you did something, but I didn't catch you. (laughs) That didn't embitter me because I know she didn't catch me. She was right. (laughs) You know, demanding unreachable goals will discourage your children. Unreachable goals. Demanding unreachable goals. We want to give our children goals. But the kid's only five years old. He's not going to learn calculus. Unreachable goals. 
you know, some kids can reach certain goals. Some kids are not, they, they can't do stuff like this. Some are, some are more athletic, some are less athletic, some are, are schmoozers, some are quiet, they're not schmoozers. There's all different types of, 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 of children. Know your kid. If you're going to set a goal, let them be, <laughs> don't let them make, don't make them so big that they can't reach them. Don't discourage them. You know, ignoring your, your child or not listening to your child when he or she has something important to say both discourages and embitters. And I know your kids can drive you nuts sometimes. <laughs> I love my grandson, you know, Aaron, but I watch him with, with Grandma. He goes, Grandma, 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 Grandma. And then she looks away and goes, Grandpa, 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 Grandpa. You know, what, what, what? Oh, oh yeah, that's nice. Grandpa, 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 what? Yeah, you know, after a while you want to say, be quiet, but you don't say that stuff like that. You, you embitter them. They want, to, they, they want to talk to you. You know what I'm talking about, the kids driving you crazy? Mama, 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 mama. What's this, what's this, what's this, what's this, what's this? Ah! Mama, why are you spending so much time in the bathroom? <laughs> Take it away from you. No. It's true. Right, Deanna? <laughs> Ignoring your child or not listening to your child when he or she has something important to say both discourages and it gets them mad, embitters them. Calling them names. Or telling them they're worthless. Oh my goodness. You brat. Don't ever call your kid a brat. You good for nothing. You know, you're worthless. Don't say stuff like that. That stuff sticks in their minds. And they grow up thinking like that. Don't chop them down. The world's going to chop them enough. It doesn't have to happen in the home. Jesus said in Matthew 18.10, Beware that you don't despise a single one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven, their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. Oh, you mean these little kids have angels? It's what the Bible says. I think for some kids, I mean, they're all over the place. They must have about six or seven angels. They've got to keep track of them. You know, one angel will get tired out. You know, Proverbs 22, 6, this verse is taken different ways. I know the way it's supposed to be taken. Train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That means you train them up in the way they're, they're bent. Train them up the way God wired them. That's really what it means. I always, tell, I always, I always say in premarital counseling, I say this is, a, this is a, a scripture for new wives about their husbands. <laughs> train them up. Train up a child in the way he should go. Train him up in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. So you train up your husband. That's what I say, but it's a joke. It's not a very good one. You know, a portion of training a child includes discipline. Now listen to what the Bible has to say about discipline. It's amazing how many, how many parents nowadays, um, they don't give a little punch, you know, a little spanking. They do other things. 
I don't believe in spanking, they say. Well, God does. You know, my kids, see, I hated to spank. I hate it with a passion. But you don't know this about me, maybe. My kids know this. That when I'm really nervous, what do I do, Joe? I smile. I smile when I'm nervous. So I'm so nervous, I don't want to have to spank my children, and I come at them smiling. They thought I was loving it. I wasn't loving it. I just can't stop smiling. Proverbs 13, 24 says, If you refuse to discipline your children, it proves you don't love them. If you love your child, you will be prompt, prompt to discipline them. You're not going to wait till daddy gets home. You do it yourself. Dad, you're going to wait till mom gets home. Why should she be the bad person? You do it yourself. Like these kicks out, kick out of these mothers, they say, Oh, uh, you're going to get it. Man, when dad gets home, you're going to get it. And then dad's on the way home, driving home, just expecting to love his kid. And then now he's got to beat the snot out of him, you know. You don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Moms, take care of it yourself. <laughs> Proverbs 19:18. Discipline your children while there is hope. If you don't, you will ruin their lives. I'm telling you, this is true. Parents do not discipline their children correctly. They ruin their lives. Children learn respect for authority in the home. There's only three places, really, you learn respect for authority. In the home, in the military, or in prison. Those are the three places you learn respect for authority. And if you do not learn respect for authority in the home, as a young child, I'm telling you, the teacher says, do this, do this, do this. The kid goes, ah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And they don't get good grades. The kid, the kid gets a job. Boss says, do this, do that, do this. Nah, I don't want to do this, do this, do this. No, I respect authority. You're an authority. I, want, I don't want to do it. Loses his job. The kid gets saved. God's in authority. God says, don't do this. This He says, ah, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do it because it's fun. You know, the, the, we ruin their lives. Discipline your children while there is hope. If you don't, you will ruin their lives. Proverbs 23, 13. Don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you spank them. I thought I was going to die when I was a kid. My mom used to use these wooden spoons, you know, with these wooden mixing spoons. Um, she used to bust them over me all the time, you know. Once I took her wooden spoons and I hit them on her, she took something metal. And I put my hands there and it scarred my hands. And she, I said, look what you did. She said, it's your fault. You shouldn't have hit the, the wooden spoons. <laughs> my mom was tough. Don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. My child, how I will rejoice if you become wise. Yes, my heart will thrill when you speak what is right and just. You see, that comes when you learn right from wrong. And right from wrong is learned many times through discipline. Proverbs twenty nine fifteen To discipline... And reprimand a child produces wisdom. Yeah, they know what's right and wrong. But a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined 
child. Yeah. Undisciplined children disgrace. Well, I see examples of this all the time down at Walmart or Kmart or something like this. I hear, I see these mothers are yelling at their kids, and the kids just look at them and keep on doing it. You don't eat that candy, you got to buy it first. Kid doesn't care what the mother says. Just open up the candy wrappers all over the place, you know. Just taking it because he wants it. I tried to intervene once. I'll never do that again. Proverbs 29.17 says, Discipline your children, and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. Discipline your children, and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. I remember many, many, many years ago, um, I used to run a counseling clinic, and I had a client from another church that came in, and they wanted to know about disciplining their kids, and their kids were about as young as my three younger ones. Jim was already older. And so they said, well, Dr. Susser, what, do you, what are you doing? And I tell him what my wife and I are doing. And he looked at me and his wife, and he said, is it working? I said, no, it's not working yet. <laughs> but it will work someday. We're still working at it just like you need to work at it. Make a long story short, my kids are all serving God today. Okay? It worked. It Sometimes it takes years to work, but you work. The principles, the principles on how to raise children are found in scriptures. And the Holy Spirit will teach you how to implement these principles with the type of child that you have. God will give you the wisdom. And then you'll have you'll have happiness and a peace of mind. And I look at my kids and I have happiness. I have a peace of mind. Did I always have that? No. No, there was time I said, oh, hey, he's, he's going to wind up in jail, or where is she going to wind up? Or you know, I'm not sure, and Pat would have to comfort me. She would say, oh, the kids are going to be okay. Kids are be okay. See, I want them okay now, okay? But, you know, it takes two. It takes, you know, two of you to do a good job. You know, so you discipline your children, and they will give you happiness and a peace of mind. You discipline them correctly. So here's the bottom line, because we want to pray for um, Naomi here. Here's the bottom line. Our responsibility and goal as a parent is not to raise doctors and lawyers. Our responsibility and goal as a parent is simply to raise our children to be a functional part of the body of Christ. That is our goal. And in most cases, it all starts really with a baby dedication because it's the parents we pray we just pray for the parents and the child but it's the parents who dedicate and in in most cases the parents have really already dedicated thank god and they've dedicated their children to the lord but because they're part of a church family and their families here um this is a time we do it kind of formally all right, so let's bring Naomi May up here. Uh, Judy, you spelt their last name wrong. Yeah, you did. You see, you see, what we do is we give away these these little her first diploma. This in 
okay. But I was just teasing. You didn't spell your last name. Right? I mean, how can you spell Gavin wrong? This is Gavin. This is another Gavin. That was a joke. Frank, why are you always so serious? You know, these are really cute. Have you seen these? These are really cute. And uh, let me ask you, how many of you with little kids, how many of you had these hanging in the baby's room? Raise your hand. Do you have the other one? Okay. You just throw them away or what? You throw them away? No, this is the first diploma. Certificate. So let me have, let's have the elders come forward, okay? Please. Hi, can I, can I think she'll cry? Probably. Please not cry. Okay. Can you come with me? She looks gorgeous. I want to show you, I want to show you cuteness. This is cuteness. Oh, look, 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 look at cuteness. See, this is cuteness. This is cuteness. Check it, check her out. See, she's checking you out too. This, this is cuteness. See? Cuteness. You know, a lot of you I prayed for. Yeah. This is cuteness. I did. I did. I did. Hey, what are you talking about? I remember, I remember when you were literally walking holding a violin case. I remember those days. I remember those days. I remember the first day you brought this young lady to church. I thought, man, what's she doing hanging around you? What a good-looking gal. Yeah. See, she's not crying. Because she has eyes locked on me. Sure. That's because you're mama. You are everything right now. You are the grocery store. Good job. Good. You guys do good job. We never know what you're going to say. I don't either. So we're, we're going to pray. Let's pray. I know, I know Jim and Mike were disappointed that they were not able to be here to, to pray also. This is a special time. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for Naomi May Gavin here. This is a perfect little girl. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for mom and dad who are serving you, who know your will in raising children. And this child is, has been born into a Christian home. And so we pray that the testimony of mom and dad would be laid out for Naomi. And when there's a time that she could understand that she comes to know you, Jesus, at a very young age. And God, we pray that she would know you at this young age and not drift from you, that she would serve you all the days of her life. Lord, I pray for wisdom for Deanna and Andy in raising this young girl to serve you. Lord, we're so grateful for this miracle of this child, this precious child, this gift from you to them. Bless them all, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys did good work. Here, this is. Thank you. So it's one of my favorite things to do is pray.
over these children. We have such a responsibility. Such a responsibility. It's, it's, it's difficult to raise children, I'm telling you. It is difficult. But, you know, God's grace is there. His wisdom is there. And I'll tell you, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. My kids were not all that easy to raise. Some of you have real easy kids to raise, but some of them were not easy to raise. Okay, they were challenged. But God gives the wisdom, and uh, my kids are all doing very, very well, and your kids are doing very well. Amen. And if they're not, you keep hanging in there, they will do well. They will do well. You keep following the principles of God, and they will do well, and you will be blessed. Let's all stand together, please. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. <clears throat> In Numbers 6, 21, it's a prayer that the, that, the, that the leaders were to say over the people. Number 621, that was the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, peace in your heart, knowing that your Savior said, I will never leave you, I will never abandon you, and I'll love you always. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you. I love you a lot.